sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast called Your Last Decade. I thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has life changed? What was happening in 2010? And what has happened in the last decade? Hey, 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 welcome back to our Friday happy hour. This is our Your Last Decade episode. And today is the second edition of our quarantine graduate conversations. We asked our listeners to share with us about some of the recent graduates in their lives who might have a great story or insight to share during this quarantine and coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. We loved reading all the stories of those nominated. Last week, we had EJ Priest, a high school graduate from Indiana, and Christian Huff, a recent college grad from Auburn. And today, I'm talking with a graduate student from UT Austin, Caitlin Smith, as she navigated job searching and wrestling with her attitude towards current circumstances. Hello, that's all of our stories. The second part of the show, I'm talking with Holly Norris. Holly's story is really encouraging about trusting God's leading, even when it might seem like you've already started your professional life. Holly graduated from nursing school this spring, and at the time we recorded, she was about to take her final boards test. In both of these conversations, we talk about what trusting God has looked like in their lives prior to COVID-19, during quarantine, and how they hope their next years might look in light of the season. Friends, also, we released a special quarantine celebration video today over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. The special quarantine celebration video includes some listener photos, videos, and an epic surprise from one of our youngest listeners. You don't want to miss it. Check it out and be sure and subscribe, youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. Okay, here's my conversation with Caitlin and then with Holly. Hey, Caitlin, welcome to the special edition of the Happy Hour, your last decade. Welcome, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to have you here. Now, we've been talking to some graduates. So you just graduated with your master's degree, am I right, from University of Texas? Yes. Hookah Morns. Did you get your undergrad there as well? Yeah, I got my undergrad in marketing and my master's in marketing. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. And you're a native Austinite, which no one else will care about this who's listening unless you're from Austin. But you native Austinites are like unicorns. There's not very many of you left here in Austin. Exactly. You got to claim it. You got to claim it. That's right. Okay. So we talk on this episode of Your Last Decade about what have we learned about ourselves, our life, everything in the past 10 years. So I'm going to ask you to go all the way back 10 years ago. How old were you 10 years ago? Oh, gosh. I was a seventh grader. I was 12 years old. I have a seventh grader who's 12 years old. So I'm going to be looking at her in 10 years. So seventh grader, 10 years ago, 12 years old. What did you think about life when you were 12? Oh, gosh, I can barely remember middle school. Right? I know. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone wants to forget middle school in some ways. (laughs) Yeah, you're going through puberty. You got braces. Everyone's awkward. But yeah, you're just trying trying to get through, trying to learn who you are. But I was grateful to go to like a really great uh, middle school and high school. So 
yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, definitely sometimes that you're like, oh, I hope there's better days ahead. <laughs> right, I know. So what did your faith look like when you were 12 and seventh grade? Were you a Christian? What Did you grow up in a Christian home? What was that like for you? Yeah, so I actually grew up in a Christian home. My parents were both teachers of the word, both Bible study leaders. And so that was so important in our household. I actually made a decision to make Jesus Lord of my life when I was nine years old. was a part of an awesome youth group growing up throughout middle school and high school. Um, just had a really devoted group of girls in my Bible study, an awesome youth pastor. We did crazy fun events. And so, yeah, definitely the importance of the word was emphasized throughout middle school and high school for me. So it was, it was a good growing period. You know, it's a, it's always interesting when I talk to people about growing up and their parents teaching them, you know, how to follow Jesus. And as parents, we, you know, have we have this obligation to to teach our kids about God and to teach them his word. But honestly, we can't control what happens with their life. We can't just control the choices they make. We can't control even if they decide to follow Jesus, right? So I guess I'd love to hear from you. What do you think your parents did well that helped you love Jesus when you were 12 and still love Jesus 10 years later? Oh gosh, it's funny because as soon as you say that, I literally get a flashback to like when I was in my little bunk bed as like an elementary schooler. And we had this rule, like especially over the summer, that you couldn't have any TV time, no electronic time until you've done your Bible reading in the morning. (laughs) And so my mom would make us like little flashcards of memory verses that we'd have to memorize. She would want us to do like an hour of reading in the morning. And so, I mean, that was always definitely a focus something really sweet that I didn't realize was so unique until going to college and meeting other Christians and hearing about their stories growing up is that we made it a really big deal to have dinner around the table every night. And through that, my parents would try to weave in conversations of faith. So if it's Sunday after church, we're having lunch, we're debriefing the sermon. Hey kids, what did you think? Which I thought was cool because even if we were like only 12 years old, they were like, no, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Like you have a portion of Christ. Like what is it that you thought about it? And just making us feel empowered as like little youngins. And so that was really cool. Just like emphasizing that family time around the table. And they really just like made each of us kids. I have two brothers, made each of us feel like what we had to say in our walk with Christ was important. I think that's so beautiful. And it's encouraging to me as a mom, as a parent, you know, middle school and high school kids right now is to remember that, you know, full disclosure, we're recording this, my kids are done with school, summer is here, which honestly, let's be honest with quarantine and, you know, self teaching all the things we've been doing. We've been on summer break since like February, it feels like but whatever. I just walked over to the house, Caitlin, before we got on this call. And my daughter was like, okay, mom, I've done all my reading. I've done my chore. I've played outside. Can I watch TV now? And I was like, yes, you can. And so in our house in the summer, like the TV can't come on till afternoon even. And so I know I just, I'm like, I can't have you sitting around watching TV all day. And this is also, this is what I wish my kids knew. Okay. This is what I wish my kids knew. This is, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, Caitlin, and you get to be a part of it. Here's the thing. Just make your parents think you're doing things. This is what I want my kids to understand. Just like whenever you see mom come in, act like you're cleaning your room or something. And then I'll be so happy that I'll be like, yes, you can watch TV all day long. Yes, yes. And so, you know, we kids start to figure this out uh, later in life. So, okay, so 10 years ago, 12 years old, you know, you've lived a lot of your formative years in the past decade. Uh, So I would like to ask you, you know, being, you know, a young girl who just graduated uh, college and then got your master's degree, what have you seen in the past 10 years that you have grown the most in? Literally, all of my growth has happened in the past 10 years. Um, Literally figuring out the woman I am from middle school through college till now um, has been really cool. 
I think learning a lot about myself, I have found, and my mom could tell you this all day long, um, since I was a little kid, like so much a perfectionist, um, so much about the details to the place where like, sometimes it just like immobilizes me and I can't like move forward and make decisions. And it's also, if you're like into the Enneagram, I'm a type one. And so I have that big inner critic. Um, so I think learning that about myself and recognizing that and then learning how to combat that because when you're really ungracious to yourself and you feel like the standard is always excellence, always perfection, you can't do anything because you're just like afraid of failing. And so I think um, something really cool that I've learned um, about the Lord in the past 10 years is how he is so gracious and he's a God of second and third and fourth chances. So why am I holding myself to a standard of perfection that I can never meet like the Lord knows, Mm. like I'm a sinner, I'm human. And so the expectation isn't that anymore. I place that on myself. That's actually a form of self-righteousness, of thinking that I can achieve what Jesus has already done for me on the cross. And so um, just through a lot of different life circumstances, he's taught me like, hey, you're going to fail and you're going to fail big, but like my grace is sufficient for you. And like, so that gives you the freedom. It frees you up to be weak, to have shortcomings. And something too that I learned is like to be human is to connect over your weaknesses. Like no one um, becomes best friends with someone because they fall all their strengths and they're like, oh, you're so amazing. It's like, no, you like, you get to connect with people through your fellow weaknesses or embarrassments or jokes or whatever. And so I've learned extremely well how to be vulnerable and the power of vulnerability. Even my MC family will joke like, Caitlin will always say this over and over again, like vulnerability breeds vulnerability, um, which is so true. And so just like learning the importance of that and that helping my ministry in college, mentoring other girls, just being friends with people. And then it allows you to really accept the grace of Jesus so much more and experience it at a more personal level. So that's been really cool. That's good. I know that vulnerability is hard for anyone. It doesn't matter what your personality is like or what you've been through or maybe what trauma you have. It doesn't matter. Vulnerability is difficult. But I also know that vulnerability is also sometimes extra difficult for perfectionists, for people who everything has to be right, everything has to be good. And you're describing that in your words as being you. And you and I both enjoy the Enneagram and it's taught me so much and it sounds like you so much as being an Enneagram one. What are some ways, you said that God has used different circumstances in your life. What are some ways that God has really used maybe people in your life or experiences to allow you to truly believe that and accept that for yourself because of his grace and his love for you? Yeah, I think definitely in two ways. One, kind of coming face to face with my own sin um, and then also with the sin of others and having to forgive. So I think something really cool coming to college and joining the college ministry at the Austin Stone, we really emphasize the importance of accountability and accountability partners. And so something that I was really forced to do starting my sophomore year is like, okay, I have to sit down with this person and talk through like the inner workings of my heart and my temptations and where I struggle with sin. And that's easy to say on the surface level, but then when it gets ugly and messy underneath, it's like, oh, I don't want to voice that. I don't want to say that out loud. Uh, What is this person going to think of me? And so I think literally just practicing that discipline and finding a trusted person to let you in in that way is huge because I think the best thing for a perfectionist, if there are like other perfectionists out there, um, is like finding those like few trusted people who are going to love you despite yourself and mm-hmm. uh, we can confess into them and they over and over again don't walk away. I think it's literally just for me, like that pattern over time of like, okay, I'm letting them in slowly and they're seeing some of the ugliest parts of my heart and my sinfulness 
and they haven't left yet or they haven't slighted me yet. And like that encourages you to be more vulnerable and frees you up because they reflect the unconditional love of Christ in that way. And so I think just having that support system and really learning like, okay, you got to let your walls down and these people aren't going to walk out has been really cool. I love that. I love that. Just to clarify for the listener, when you say MC, it's like missional community. It's like a small group. So that's what it is called at our church that we both go to. I want to flip the script on you a little bit, though, Caitlin. I love this conversation about perfectionism and how you've grown in that over the past, you know, probably handful of years since college and stuff. You said that it's important for you to find someone who you can be honest and vulnerable with, and they're not they're going to stay. They're not going to leave you as someone who would you called yourself this perfectionist. Is it hard for you to be that for other people? To be vulnerable first or? No, for someone to come to you with their mistakes and their mess ups. Like how do you, as someone who has such a high standard for yourself, which I'm sure that you do, how does that translate into relationships in your own life? Seriously, very candidly, I used to be called like very critical and judgmental, like Mm. in high school. People would say that to my face and I was like, you, in my mind, I was like, I'm just a truth speaker and you can't handle it. (laughs) But yeah, no, I had to learn like there's a place for truth speaking and there's a place for just like shutting up and listening. And one of the verses I really cling to and I think is really cool um, is in John, it talks about Jesus being full of truth and grace. So learning when you need, actually you need both always, but like what the time and places for like, are you going to speak into someone and correct them? if they've invited you into that, or are you just like simply going to listen and sympathize? And I think going into maybe some of the harder parts of my story is really having to do that in a way that costs you. So I would say like having to forgive others or pardon sin has really made me have to step back and be like, I can't be critical in this moment. I can't be judgmental. One, because it doesn't reflect the character of Christ. And it also pushes people away. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had two mentors growing up in the church who just moral failing on their part really ended up hurting a lot of people around them, ended up walking away from the church. And so especially with one, they were just like really close to me, almost family. And so that stings more than anything and just really shook my understanding of the gospel because when you grew up kind of sheltered and you're like, oh yeah, Jesus forgives all sin. That sounds nice when you think, oh, the worst sin is like, a curse word. Mm-hmm. But then when it's like, oh no, Jesus forgives even like the adulterer, the tax collector, the things that you tell yourself, oh, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, when that becomes really close to home and you're like forced to face that. And it's like, okay, am I going to choose forgiveness in this moment? And I remember actually after everything went down, I think it was senior year of high school, I was just very angry and judgmental about the whole thing. And I remember my freshman year of college, I was preparing for a D-Now group, which is Discipleship Now. Some churches do it as like a retreat weekend for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And the theme verse that they wanted us to study was Micah 6, 8. And so as a leader, I was just going over the curriculum, reading it. And it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And I remember reading that, be like, act justly, yeah, type one, justice, that's easy for me. Love mercy, yep, sounds grace. Who who great, who doesn't love mercy? Walk humbly with God, yep, sounds good. I can teach these kids that. And then the Holy Spirit was like so um, apparent when I was reading the part, it says love mercy. And he was like, yeah, you love mercy, but you love it for yourself. Do you mm-hmm. want others to love and experience the mercy um, of Christ? And 
very tangibly, it was like that name popped into my head. And I was like, do I want mercy for that Mm -hmm. person? Do I truly believe that they are not past the grace of Christ, that they have received forgiveness for that? And I was just like, dang, this is a kind of forgiveness that costs you something. Because I had to really give over years of pain to the Lord and it, even five years later, like sometimes I'll be talking about it um, with close friends and it'll just bring tears to my eyes because it's just a painful experience. Um, we don't, sometimes don't realize how much sin can affect, have ripple effects on bigger communities. And so I'm um, really just handing that over to the Lord and being like, even though this was painful and wrong in your eyes, I'm choosing to let go of bitterness and anger um, and judgment. Like who's to say that couldn't have been me had I doubted or walked away from you and um, chosen things of this world. It's like, who's to say that couldn't have been me? And had to pick up the phone and make that phone call to that person and say, like, I'm choosing to let go and, yeah, forgive you for this. And so having to do that even a second time and, and some other things going on with personal relationships, like over and over again through suffering, the Lord's being like, do you believe me on these terms? Like, do you want mercy for other people? Are you going to forgive when it costs? Do you believe that could be you? Um, and I think he really showed me like, yeah, I'm not beyond any of that. He's protected me from a lot of it, but in no way can I say that I'm above that. And so when has criticism or judgment ever helped someone heal or experience Christ's love? And so just, I would say those experiences made a huge transformation in my heart and convicted me of a lot of just my natural tendency to judge and want to correct others. And really just showed me like, when's the time and place to speak into something? And when is it time to just like sit back mourn sin, but then be quick to forgive. Mm. When you made that phone call to that person to tell them you forgave them, I'm guessing here that that sin wasn't directly against you. Am I right? It was just a leader, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know the backstory. don't need to know it. But a lot of people would say, well, Caitlin, you didn't really need to do that. Like it, it wasn't towards you. What was that phone call like? And what did it teach you about well, first of all, how did it go? Like, how? what was the response from the other person? And then because of their response, what did you learn about going to someone and telling them, instead of just doing it in your own heart, telling them that you forgive them? Yeah, so I called her and was basically like, hey, I know we haven't talked in like a year, but I have been thinking on some things. And it's it's always so hard to swallow your pride. And just like, I had dialed her number. I remember... And like literally sat there for a few minutes before I had like the nerve to press the call button. But someone had encouraged me to, before I say, you know, what I had forgiven her for, to kind of like list my grievances and be real about the hurt and the sin. And to address what you were saying earlier about if someone was to say, you know, like it wasn't directly against you, the sin caused a falling apart of a family, even to this day, and actually caused some fallout with my relationships with those people. And even though it wasn't directly against me, it hurt me in a lot of ways and less some, some big wounds, definitely. And so, yeah, at the beginning of the phone call, I was like, hey, I love you, but I just like want you to know the reality of my life for the past year, um, what damage this has caused between me and you and our relationship, fallout between me and others involved, just like the way that it was poorly handled, things like that, and just really like listing grievances, then saying, you know, I've literally encountered scripture that says that I should love mercy and want that for others. And so this is actually an act of obedience for me to offer like my forgiveness. And also I'm just straight up tired um, of being angry and bitter. I think a lot of other type ones will sympathize with that is we tend to like kind of harvest anger below the surface and not show a ton of emotion until it just like boils over. I think we're 
we get so tired of being angry that we just have to let it go at some point. So that's how I told her, I was like, I'm choosing not to hold this against you anymore. And it doesn't mean we can go back to our former relationship, but I want to be at peace about this. I want to walk in obedience. And I, I really thought in that moment, I was like choosing forgiveness, but something I, I didn't realize moving forward is like, I was going to have to do that like five or six more times mm-hmm. for myself. Um, not calling her, not addressing anyone else, but literally in my heart being like, okay, Lord, I'm stirred up. I'm bitter all over again. Mm. This is bringing up old wounds, whatever. And having to reprocess it with the Lord and being like, okay, get me back to a place of understanding and forgiveness. And yeah, having to do that multiple times over and over again. I think that's the life of the Christian though, is like consistently we'll go back to our sin nature and then have to take it back to the Lord and be like, okay, I'm submitting to you over my feelings. Um, But yeah. How was her reaction towards you? She cried the whole time. She said something really sweet to me, though, too. She was like, I wasn't expecting this call, but of all people to like call me back and walk back into my life and say that I've forgiven you, like I'm not surprised that it's you, which was like just really sweet because Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, I always thought people saw me as this like cold, judgmental person. But I think it Mm -hmm. meant a lot to her Yeah, um, because I'm sure not many other people had reached that place of yeah. forgiveness. I think it's, I like you said something that you said, this is an act of obedience. And I know that there are so many times in our life that apology or that offering forgiveness, sometimes the other person might not accept it. Sometimes the other person might not. I mean, I've had times in my life where I've apologized for something and the person has said to me, you didn't have to, I didn't even see it that way. And I have said, I had to do this. It was an obedient thing for me. And so what a What a gracious God to even teach you that, Caitlin, at such a young age about that act of obedience that even if the whole world would have said she doesn't deserve this phone call and you can just do this between you and the Lord, but God asked you to do that and you are faithful to follow through that. And like you said, you've had to do it again and you'll have to do it again in the next, you know, 40 years of your life. It just is how life goes. So I love that God has taught you that so, so early on in your life. Okay, so decade, that's, you know, we skipped over a lot of stuff, but a lot of your last decade that the, where you've learned stuff has been in your college years, the past couple of years, which did we say? Oh, yeah, we did say University of Texas that you're a University of Texas girl. Did you work for the basketball team? I did. Yeah. My second semester junior year and all of senior year got to work with UT women's basketball, which was so awesome. As a photographer? Yeah, basically. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's so cool. So what do you look for the next 10 years? You just graduated, which congratulations on graduating with your master's, first of all, and then congratulations on graduating during a global pandemic as well. There's that as well. What do you look for in the next 10 years of your life? Who's to know what we can expect? But yeah, I'm literally as of this week starting my career post-college. So that's super exciting. Didn't imagine it this way, but got to roll with the punches. I think I said it to you earlier too. I would always jump around in my head about like different careers that I want to do. Like growing up, I was like, I want to be a CEO and run my own company. And then if you would have asked me last week, it's like, oh, I want to apply to law school because I want to be a lawyer. Um, I had just seen the movie Just Mercy, which was so powerful. And I was like, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to apply to UT law school right after this. Yeah. (laughs) And then asked me this week and it's like, um, I want to be a real estate agent. (laughs) It's like, I'm all over the place. Or I want to be an author and Christian speaker or whatever. So yeah, I'm excited for like the Lord to shape my next 10 years like career-wise just because I'm so curious what He's going to do and what doors He's going to open because I have so many like different avenues and passions. But I think like the one certainty that I can expect is like spiritual growth. And honestly, that's like what I'm most excited for. Hopefully, God willing, going to stick around in Austin and stick around with the Austin Stone Church and just 
what an amazing family that's like shaped my faith so much. And so I'm excited to jump into like young adults ministry and get to know more people. And I think hopefully still kind of coach and lead with the college ministry just because that was super impactful in my spiritual growth and wanting to mentor younger students there too. But yeah, just expecting him to slowly but surely sanctify me in some way. And I'm just along for the ride. I don't know what's going to happen. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you just, since you're just a graduate of college, if you could give one advice to college girls, maybe even, I mean, we got a lot of, you know, I actually have a lot of listeners who are early in college or high school girls going off to college. What is your advice to girls heading into college or even, you know, in the middle of their college journey? What is something that you would leave them with? Do you have five hours? Like, (laughs) gosh, I think, man, something that I'm still learning, but I wish I'd known, I guess it's a lifetime of learning this, but like literally just being confident in who you are and the woman that God created you to be uniquely. I feel like you hear that from every Christian woman, but like, seriously, I wish unapologetically just like been myself. And I think I, I was true to that, but like not worrying so much what other people think, just love the particular giftings that God gave you, the way that he designed you, something more specifically like that he's been teaching me is like to embrace who you are as a woman of God, not a woman of culture. And so me and my friends talk about this sometimes. It's like, I'm not usually like your girly girl type. Literally just put on makeup today for the first time in like two months, but also that's quarantine. Yeah. And like, I'm usually like the more like sporty girl, avid sports fan. You can see me wearing like athletic wear joggers most of the time. My friends give me grief about that. But yeah, like to understand what it is that makes a woman of God Um, something else too that I've been learning is like not only what you look like, but also like your personality. So I'm probably not like your girly girl in that sense either. I'm just like kind of quiet or like, I don't like play dumb. Like I speak my mind, like I will be heard. I can hang with the boys if we're talking about sports. Yeah. Like I'll be vocal and outgoing. And I think I had a lot of friends that were like more on the quiet side um, or more meek. And I was like, oh shoot, like, I'm not acting how I should be. Like, I'm not, you know, like even sometimes you're tempted to think like, oh, I'm not the woman that guys want or something like that. But even just the Lord teaching me like, yeah, no, scripture doesn't say that you have to be the certain way. You don't have to follow whatever society says is is true to be a, a woman. It's literally just to walk in wisdom and self-control and to have fear of the Lord. Like that's what defines beauty. And so I think if I had focused on that more, and I urge younger um, college students to do that too. You're never going to be put to shame when you chase after the Lord. And if you devote all your time to Him um, and to ministry, you're never going to be put to shame. And so, yeah, find a good girl gang to do life with and yeah, invest in them. Go dive into the Word, but also just like be unapologetically you. Understand yourself and what your giftings are, how you can use that for the church. Never to point back to yourself and to make fame of your own name, but make much of Jesus. And I don't think you'll ever regret that. I love it. I love it. Basically, we need you to be you. Yeah, you be you. That's what you need to do. Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And thanks for being honest about what it looks like to walk in forgiveness and loving mercy for other people. I think that is something that we as uh, Christ followers can sometimes just be like, oh, it's not important. I don't need to call them and tell them I forgive them. I just need to deal with it on my own. And your act of obedience that God asked you to do is an encouragement to us today as we listen to you. So thank you so much. And congratulations on graduating. Hook them horns. Yes, hook them. Thank yes, you so much. Yes. Thanks, Caitlin. 
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Holly, welcome to this special edition of Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we thought we'd interview some people who are going through graduation in this unlikely season, and you're graduating nursing school. Am I correct? 
Yes. Yes. And so everything has been crazy for the last couple of months. No one, that's no news to anybody. Everyone knows this, but a friend actually nominated you. So tell me how she said, Hey, why did she think you should be interviewed for our show? Well, my friend Amber is awesome. So she calls me and she's like, Hey, so I did this thing. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She said, I nominated you for this contest to be on a talk show, like on a podcast. And I think you're going to be great at it. And you won. Are you okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's like I have friends who get nominated for The Bachelor. So this is not The Bachelor. You're already happily married. And I don't run a show like that. But we're so happy that you're here. Yes. Uh, okay. So, Holly, this is your last decade where we talked to people about what the last 10 years have been like. And something I do know about you is that you're about to graduate from nursing school. You're 26. You're married. And so let's go back 10 years. 10 years I ago, I think you were in 10th grade. Am I right about that? Yes. 10th grade which is crazy because I have a 10th grader. And so I'm just like, oh, in 10 years, like I'm looking to the future of my son right now through you. But what was life like for you 10 years ago? 10 years ago, I was in the 10th grade. I had just started driving. I played sports in high school. I was very big in sports. That was my number one focus in high school, which probably shouldn't have been. But, you know, I don't know. I guess I looked at life I was in the moment. I didn't really think too much of the future. But in that time period, I thought about being a nurse, but I was like, nah, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't think I can do that. So, of course, like after that, I graduated high school and I went to a technical school and I just got an orthopedic degree, not just an orthopedic degree, but it was just an associate's and it wasn't very, you know, big. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were in high school, you know, believe it or not, we have like a lot of high school listeners, which I think is really cool to my show for them to be listening. But you said something that I think is so interesting because I think a lot of us deal with what you mentioned at different stages in our life. But you said you had this dream of being a nurse, but you didn't think you were smart enough. What was that? Where was that from, do you think? And was it something that you just kind of, I'm not smart enough, put it away? Or was it something that kept you up at night? Well, for the high school years, it was, I'm not smart enough, put it away. But when I graduated high school, it was, you know what? I can do this. I think I'm going to pursue it. I felt like in high school, I had friends that went to nursing school, but they were smart in high school. For some reason, I always just felt less than. I don't know. I mean, I made decent grades, but I didn't really care about my grades in high school, you know? Yeah. So you just kind of thought this wasn't going to be for me. And then you go off to college and you get your technical degree. What kind of, where was that shift? Because you had to have still, you said, you you told me that you kind of felt like after high school, you thought, I think that I might still want to do this, but you still were not pursuing it. You still weren't doing it. What led you to actually go pursue that dream that you had? I mean, literally, you know, from a high school girl of wanting to be a nurse, what were the steps from you going, I don't think I'm smart enough. I can't do this. I'm going to get a different degree. And then now I'm going to go back to school and get my nursing degree. What happened there? So after I graduated college with the orthopedic degree, I worked at an orthopedic office. And the more I was there, the more we treated patients, you know, from a patient to patient basis, and we sent them on their way. For me, I really enjoyed getting to know the patients. And when they came back that next time, I was like, oh, man, they're back. I know them. I'm going to get to know them. I really love to serve others. And so as I went on and did that for about six months, I swear that God laid it on my heart to just say, you know what? I'm going to pursue nursing. I need to do something that I'm going to be with my patients full on. I'm going to take care of them and I'm going to see their recovery. I just didn't like the treat and street sort of thing. I really like to treat them and be with them and watch their process a lot. What did you call it? Treat and street? Yeah, treat and street. I think I can figure it out, but tell me what it means. 
So it just means like you treat the patient and then they go on about their way. You treat them and you treat them. Okay. Okay. And there are some medical professions that that's just the name. That's how it happens. But you wanted more time with your patients. Right. Like in the ER, you treat and treat, which some people like that. Some people like the, I'm going to treat you. I'm going to get it done. And you're, you're on your way. Mm. What do you think it is inside of you that didn't want that, that wanted to spend more time with your patients? I love people. I know that sounds silly, but I have so many friends that they call me and we just talk for hours. I just love people. I love knowing other people's story. People have some cool stories. People have been through things, you know? Yeah. yeah we don't yeah. think about that every day. And so you love to get to sit down and get to know someone and treat them that way. Yes. Have you, so I know I'm not a hundred percent sure how nursing school works, but I would imagine that you've taken some rounds and you've been in different areas of nursing. When was the first time you realized that this was going to fulfill that desire of, I get to actually know patients more than just treat them and send them on? Yeah. So I had a lot of experience in clinical, just in, that's what we call it. In nursing school is clinical. Um, I had lots of rotations, but one, one rotation particularly was in a med surge unit, which is just like all sorts of things, nothing in particular. And the biggest thing for me is the family members. Like, mm. yes, I treat my patients well. I've learned how to treat them and, you know, give them meds and do all the things that they need. But also being there for those family members is just a big part of why I want to do it. That's amazing because I think with any kind of profession that people go into, they can just kind of look at it as a job and here's what I need to do. And I'm going to, you know, go put in my hours and I'm going to come home. And what I'm feeling and hearing from you is that it's more than that, that you enjoy those patients and being with them. And Holly, I know that from any time I've spent any time in a hospital, which has not been much, thank goodness, it is the nurses the nurses are the ones that make the difference in your care, in your hospital stay, everything. I'm just like, I can think of so many nurses that we've had in the years that we've had to be in and out of the hospital for various reasons. And the nurses are the ones that really make your stay enjoyable or not enjoyable. And so I think that sounds like a really great profession for you because you love people. Yes, 100%. I feel like also in high school, I didn't really have a purpose or I felt that I didn't have a purpose. And I feel like God laid this on my heart and I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Why haven't I been doing this since the mm -hmm. beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. so. so when you look back over 10 years, because now, I mean, you were in high school. Now you're about to graduate nursing school. In fact, the time we're recording, I think you're taking the test this week. Am I right? Yes. I take my <laughs> boards on Friday. You sound nervous. Are you nervous? I'm pretty nervous, but I got this. It's okay. Ner <laughs> nervous doesn't mean bad. It just means you're, you know, you're ready, you're prepared. But in those 10 years, if you were to say like, you know, one of the things that you look back on, how have you seen God's faithfulness in this journey of just your career? Even that's what we've been talking about. Mostly. How have you seen God's faithfulness to this in your life? So I feel like even going back to the beginning, I worked in ortho, even getting into the orthopedic program, I prayed and prayed and I got in. And then you go on and then you pray and pray. And I got into nursing school and then every test through nursing school, I prayed and I got through it. And I'm here. I am sitting at this next test and I'm going to get through it. God has not left my side ever. Every time that I've prayed, I know he hears us. Yes, there are things that I've prayed for. And of course, God didn't give me. I didn't need those things. So, I mean, I feel like over the years, my trust in him has grown. My worries have gone away. I worry a lot. I'm worried about Friday, but at the same time, I know better. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. I've been there. 
you know, he's been there for me through everything. So I love that. And you mentioned one of the things that you felt as though when you were in high school, and I think that we can feel this way. It it doesn't matter if it's high school, whatever stage of life in. And I think you'll experience this in other times as well, Holly, is you mentioned that you felt as though everyone had their purpose, like everyone knew what they're going to do. And you kind of felt like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. How have you seen that kind of work its way out in your life? Because I think that a lot of people, they can feel that way and it feels scary. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Is this wrong? Is this good? But how have you seen God work that out? Even though when you were in high school, you felt like you look around and you think everyone else has their stuff together. Like everyone knows what they're doing. And let me tell you, you get in your forties and you have kids and you think, man, everyone's parenting better or man, everyone's this better. So tell me about how yet journey has been for you with thinking that. Yeah. So in high school, I mean, most of my sister, actually, she has a special needs child. So she graduated high school. She got married and she had a child and she got a job at an insurance company and worked there for years. But for me, I didn't want to just get married, have a kid, live life. It wasn't a purpose that I wanted. I wanted something that would fulfill me. Um, And it was very hard in high school to graduate and really be like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, even after that orthopedic degree. But going through those motions, I wouldn't change anything about that. It made me more mature. It made me appreciate life in general. Life is short. And even though I was searching for my purpose constantly, I felt behind. I felt behind all my friends. My friends have children, some of them. My friends are married, of course. I am too. But I just felt like I was ready to have a child and settle down. But I wasn't fulfilled with that. I wanted a purpose. I wanted something to live for, something that God was going to be in my life and I could show everybody else him through me. And I could think serving others in nursing is the best way. I don't know. I love that so much. And it reminds me of just how we as women, and I'm sure men struggle with this as well, but we're two ladies sitting here chatting. So we'll talk about us, is that we can often look around and think, am I supposed to be doing that? Like, I think that is something that kind of plagues us a little bit. Like for you, like, okay, I graduated college. Am I supposed to be doing what she's doing? Okay. Now I'm married. Am I supposed to be having kids? And I see a lot of maturity in you that you didn't kind of buy into that. Here's what I'm supposed to be doing, but you just wanted to do what God was calling you to do. Like you specifically, this is God's calling on Holly's life and not your other friends. And I think that that is really mature in your twenties. I really do. And so I commend you, Holly. Congratulations. This is me clapping for you for that. (laughs) I would like to know what school has been like in your final semester of school when we all are right now currently living through this global pandemic of COVID-19. How has that changed your last semester of school and your graduation and studies and even looking forward to finding a job? What is this like for you right now? So when we first went to virtual learning during COVID, it was very scary because I follow a couple of pages on Facebook of other nursing students and their program actually canceled for the semester and they're starting back up in the fall. So all I could think about was, oh no, this is going to cancel me. I'm going to be behind. I've already been behind all this time, you know, and all those things, but it ended up working out fine. It was very stressful. So we were actually taking tests online with a proctor service. So the service would like watch me, video me while I was testing and all those things. It was very stressful. Not being at school studying was hard for me. So I have a dog and I have a husband. 
And my husband is very respectful of my studies, but at the same time, I can't make him come home and not watch TV while I'm studying or, you know, those types of things. As far as graduation goes, our school really tried hard to accommodate us and be there for us and be sure that we felt normal. Mm. So initially, they were going back and forth whether we would have a ceremony or not. So we had a little small virtual like calling of names and we did a senior toast and that sort of thing. But we we're actually having a in-person graduation in August. Okay, well that's good. That's good. What is it? What are you yeah. thinking about job searching? So I actually have already had an interview prior to COVID, but I received an email stating that I had gotten the job. Yay, awesome. But they may cancel it due to COVID. So so you're right back at the starting place of searching for jobs. Right. Yeah. Are you nervous about this? It feels to me, and I could be, this could be like maybe the dumbest thing I've said. It feels like it might be easy to get a nursing job right now. Is that true or false? Well, I thought it was true. And I <laughs> felt like I was going into a career where I would always have a job, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, people aren't having elective surgeries. People aren't going to the ER because they're afraid of what's in the ER. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, you know. I know my sister-in-law's a nurse and she works at a hospital that does a lot of elective surgeries and she's not working right now yeah. because the hospitals aren't offering that option right now. So, well, okay, Holly, I know you're married and you have a, a dog, a dog child 10 years from now, you'll be 36. And I know that's hard for you to imagine, but what do you look for and what are you hoping for in the next 10 years? So in the next 10 years, I obviously want to work as a nurse and serve others, possibly pursue future things with my degrees. I'm not sure, but like what, what would that be? Maybe a nurse practitioner yeah. possibly, but honestly, I want to work for a while. I'm excited to be a mom. I'm so excited to have a child. I think my husband and I are very excited about that. So how long have you been married? We have been married for four years this year. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. So I'm excited about that, but I also just want to do the thing that I felt like was normal in the 10th grade. I'm ready for that now. I'm ready to live out my purpose, have children, and just spend time with my family too. Mm, so I, I feel like that. that's important. I love it. You know, one of the things that I think is such an encouragement through your words and what you're saying is that you felt as though you were kind of a little, little bit behind in starting your career. You know, when a lot of your friends were figuring that out at 18, which side note, I just think it's really difficult for people to know at 18 what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I mean, I sound like an old grandma when I say this, but how do you know? Like, how do you know at 18 what you want to do for the rest of your life? I didn't start my podcasting career until I was 36 you know, 35. And it's my favorite career that I could have ever done. And so just to encourage anyone that's listening, you don't have to be 26 or 18 to be listening to this to know that if God has put like a passion and desire on your heart, and you have a, a way to follow those dreams, like I say, go for it, like, go for it. What do you have to lose? You know, what do you have to lose? Start something new at 35, start something new at 56, start something new at 25, whatever you can do. Because I don't think that you just can't be behind on what God wants you to do. And I see that in your life, Holly, as though those feelings that you had of all my friends are going off to college and know exactly what you want to do and you don't. And you know what? God was faithful in the midst of those seasons when you felt like, man, I'm behind or everyone knows what they're doing. And so if you have dreams and desires, go for them. Isn't that right, Holly? Go for them. Yes. And never feel like you're less than because you can do it 100%. You felt like you were less than then in high school. Why yes. do you not feel that way now? At this point, I think I've overcome so much just in 
praying and God being faithful to me and just saying, you know what? Why worry about not being able to do it? I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to get it done and God's going to be there with me and it's going to work out. I love it. Well, Holly, I hope if I ever find myself in Macon, Georgia, that you get to be my nurse is all I have to say about that. So yes, <laughs> that would be great for me. Uh, Holly, thank you so much for joining us on this year, last decade. And our hope with all of these shows is that people will get to see someone else's life and how God's been faithful to them in the midst of crazy seasons. And you did that for us today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Amber, right? Your friend, Amber. Yes. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> thanks, Amber, for listening to the show and nominate Holly. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. We'd love it if you enjoyed the show, if you would share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast, and we thank you for that. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Monday.com.